award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching, for listening. we got a great show lined up for you today. We are back at the Cumberland River Aquatic Center here in... Uh, well, I guess it's Gallatin, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah right on the river. And uh, we're excited to be here. Da uh, Don King is helping me co-host. Thanks yeah. for being back here this, Don. Good to be back. Good to be back. Hey, you know what? We normally give a shout-out to some radio stations. Yeah. And, you know, uh, how about today we, we kind of focus on TV a little bit, you know? Okay. Yeah. Outcast is on a few TV Heck stations. yeah, yeah. That, we might as well tout those, too. You want me to take you from there? Jump in there. Okay. All right. Well... Uh, you can watch Tennessee Wildcast on Wilson County Television, yes. which we're right across the river from Wilson County right now, uh, on Saturdays and Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Uh -huh. So if you like Wildcast and uh, you want to tune us in in Wilson County, that's how you do it. Uh, on TV, but we're always on YouTube and all the social media platforms out there, so you can find us there as well. That's right, and especially, you know, shows like this where we're going to have lots of visuals going on, too, uh, uh, to supplement what we're talking about uh, on exactly. the radio. Uh, Todd does an excellent job of importing and, and editing in the, the B-roll and the, all the pictures that help make the stories make sense. Definitely. And when we're on location like we are today, there's always a good background to, to see where we're at. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's cool. Uh, today we are with Dan Waugh and Jason Wisniewski. So uh, uh, glad to have you guys with us or thanks for having us in your space today. Thank you for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to learn about you guys, learn about who you are and what you do for the agency, and then get into more about muscles. Today is all about muscles. Yes. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to dive in. So first, let's meet Dan. Dan, tell us about yourself and kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Um, I'm at the uh, Cumberland River Aquatic Center, and uh, originally I'm from China. That's a way from U.S. A ways away. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I was at uh, National Institute, and I was a pole culture expert, which we use the muscle to produce pretty poles. And um, that's how I got to, you know, work with the freshwater muscle. And uh, back 1997, a professor, his name is Dick Neves, and he was, he, you know, he's retired. He was the... Um, professor at Virginia Tech. Virginia and, uh, Tech. Yeah, they have been working on the conservation of the freshwater mussels, okay. and they're trying to propagate and uh, grow out the mussel for the restoration. But um, there's kind of bottleneck over there, and uh, they could uh, propagate the mussel, the juvenile, and to certain age, one month or two months, then they can have the issues to grow them out to, to the size for release. Really? So, so that's the purpose. He got the you know, information from the colleague when they had international meeting in U.S. So they introduced him to my institute to meet me in China back 1997. Okay. So that's they seeked you out. They were yeah. looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I got him to because they knew how um, the muscle culture has been in China over more than 2,000 years. So they want to know how do you guys do that. And uh, so that's what I get him to see how we, you know, grow out the muscle in China. Yeah. 
So that's how we got connected. And then in 1999, he invited me to visit Virginia Tech as a visiting scholar. So I worked with him for half a year and still went back to work for the Institute in China until 2003. And um, there's a collab project between China and uh, Virginia Tech. So I got to visit Virginia Tech again. And in the meantime, as a visiting scholar, I enrolled their master program. Okay. So I got my master's study in uh, Virginia Tech and then worked with the one species called Pink Hillsbridge, which is originally from Tennessee River. Uh-huh. And uh, Don Hobbs provided specimens for me to do my project in Virginia Tech. That's how I did the uh, pole culture, you know, tests using the species from Tennessee. Awesome. So, and then after that, after I graduate, I started to work for the Virginia Tech as the um, monocologist, also the manager for the uh, Freshwater Mollusca Conservation Center in Virginia Tech for 12 years. And uh, we have been share our, you know, um, findings yeah. and success grew out the muscles to the size. That was a big jump for the, you know, for this uh, muscle culture society. That's where back to David Sims, uh, you know, he mentioned during his talk. Yeah. And I present back uh, the results back to some six. And then um, after that, they start to work around, you know, how to keep the muscle, use the natural water body that right. maintain you know yep. like river water or pond water or lake water or whatever yeah as long as it's a natural water body be able to produce you know a bunch of juvenile muscles that was like kind of connection with uh, all those with tennessee monocologists to that time so then back up to how i got here was and um this is kind of a new facility we know all we got the blue stock was from Tennessee yeah. when I was in Virginia. Because from Clinch River, Powell River, and uh, Duck River, and the Norchak River. But we know, we knew, we already talked about there could be a possible program here. Yeah. But we do need that muscle propagation and the restoration activity happening at the Tennessee, you know, in Tennessee state. That's how our I decided to add actually Don Hub and the Bill Leaves and all those. We talked during the meeting. They brought me over here <laughs> and start the program was muscle propagation in Tennessee. That's how I got over here. That's, right. that's great. Yeah, it's like we know who we need. Yeah. They found you and they got you here. <laughs> yeah, I'm so be happy to be part of this family. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, we're that's glad great. to have you. I know. Uh, the work that you do here is is awesome, and, and some of the talks we've had beforehand, the the processes and the production and the successes that you've had come out of here, it's amazing. So it's we're glad to have you with the agency. And not just me and my uh, my colleagues, and they all just work together, you Definitely. know, and, and our partners like Fish and Wildlife Service and the TVA and the uh, U.S. you know Army Corps Engineer and all those, and the other side of like. Tennessee Tech and TSU, we have all those kind of partners work together. That's great. In the muscle facility outside of the Tennessee, Virginia, Kentucky, Alabama, we all work together yeah. to make it happen. Yeah. 
it's a big happy family when it comes to uh, science and, and learning and trying to to make things happen across state boundaries. It, it's it's not a, a football game. It's not Alabama against Tennessee. It's it, They're working together. Working like together. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's great. Well, uh, Jason, I think this is your first time on Wildcast. Is that right? That's correct. Introduce yourself. Let folks know who you are and, and what you do. Uh, you right, work okay. with muscles a lot, too. So, that's why uh, we got you here today. But. Yeah, so I'm uh, Jason Wisniewski. I'm the Mollusk Conservation Coordinator for TWRA. Uh Grew up in southwest Pennsylvania. Again, I guess I'm, I'm from another country, too, uh, <laughs> depending on who you talk to. But, uh, uh, you know, I didn't get into mussels kind of the way that, that a lot of people do. Uh, you know, back in the time I was getting into them, it was, it was one of those things of, uh, you know, just happened in, into it. Uh, you know, I didn't lay awake at night as a kid dreaming of being a malacologist or anything. Uh, but, uh, you know, I got an internship with the Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission years ago. Found out that I really like doing aquatic science. Yeah. Uh, uh, <clears throat> one of the things, I, of course, I had some great mentors there that I worked with, and they said, "Well, if you really, really want to make a career out of it, try to go to graduate school." So, uh, looked all over for graduate schools, wanted to work with fish, and uh, one of the places that uh, that I'd looked at actually was with the Barons Topman, one of our rare species we have here in Tennessee. Oh yeah. And, uh, and uh, Dr. Jim Laser over at Tennessee Tech, he was working on a project, and uh, I had asked him about the project and he kind of said well would you be interested in working with mussels and i wasn't having a whole lot of success looking for graduate school so uh <laughs> i said well maybe i need to humble myself a little bit and uh, do something and then once i'm done with that then i'll have the degree and I can go work with what i want and, uh, so i came down to the cookville for about two and a half years uh studied mussels there for my master's degree uh one of the cool things was it was something that that uh, a young scientist could really pioneer because there was so little known on freshwater mussels. And, uh, you know, it was something I kind of stuck with. I figured out, hey, give it a couple years, move home, work with fish. And, uh, uh -huh. you know, I ended up getting a job right out of school uh, with the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. Worked there for 15 years as a mussel biologist. Uh, and then about, I guess, just under four years ago now, we moved to Tennessee and uh, kind of a homecoming of sorts, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, coming back to where I, I cut my teeth working with mussels. And, uh, you know, there's no greater, there's uh, just, you know, the southeastern U.S. is the hotbed of mussel activity. And uh, between Alabama, Tennessee, and Georgia, you're talking, talking the top three states anywhere in the world pretty much for freshwater mussels. So yeah. having the opportunity to work with them here is just a real blessing. Yeah. I learned something about Jason just now. What's that? Tennessee Tech. Yeah. I had no clue. I'd forgot, but yes, I do remember. But I didn't realize he worked for Pennsylvania for a little while. I did. Yeah. That was back doing area fisheries management. So, you know, like I said, I I did more trout work, reservoir work, uh, just a lot of the traditional fishery stuff that most people are familiar with. But, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that really stuck with me when I was up there was one of my, my, was my area manager and supervisor and just a good friend now who's just retired in the last couple of years, but, uh, he said, you know what, you don't got to like this stuff, but you have to respect it. And, uh, that has stuck with me all through my career. And a lot of people, you know, when you get the non-game side of things, some people, you know, give those folks a little bit of a hard time, a little jab sure. here and there, you know, we all like to mess around with each other, but, uh, that was something I really took, you know, into the future and everything that I do. And, uh, you know, I think it's just, you know, when it comes down to it, everything's connected, yeah. know, especially in the natural world. Definitely. Definitely. Everything is affected by everything. <laughs> uh, or there's a song one time, everything's a thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, hey, you know, one of the things that I, I know that uh, 
Todd's going to work in, and, and maybe maybe we could use that photo, but kind of an overall picture of muscles and the value of muscles. Um, that photo that you showed us, uh, you're showing us, is invaluable. Just the uh, the the experiment you uh, you were you were showing us about the uh, where was it? Was that in where was it you did that? And uh, uh, you mean the muscle propagation? And in, no, the uh, aquariums. Oh, the aquarium. the filtration. So, yes, yeah. filtration of the freshwater mussels. That, that was at yeah. Virginia Tech. Right? That was in Virginia okay. Tech. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and anyway, just kind of describe that picture as you're seeing it, as we're seeing it here in sequence. Just kind of tell us a little bit about that. Okay. I love this. I love this visual. Yeah. It, it proves how important they are. Exactly. Yeah, because yep. that is, you know, because... Probably uh, we need to explain about the muscle itself. It's a filt feeder. They filt all the all the time. Filtering all the time. All the Just time. In the it, In other words, actually, they help us remove all the particles, whatever in the water. It's like cleaner. Yeah. For the river. Exactly. So, uh, average muscle can filt thirty liter of the water within a day, twenty-four hours. Wow. So that's the uh, the the experimenter is a kind of trying to get the outreach program out for the public to see how you know how fascinating of the fresh muscles uh -huh. how they help us out. That's why we uh, did 33 hours. We put the one tank with the muscle, one tank with the out muscle. Start with all same water source with the muddy water. Then every eight hours, take the picture and then to see how the you know muscle process uh -huh. the body water. So that's kind of cool thing. And also they we know they they do not like fish. They do not move much. So they always be around the small area. And um, so that is another good thing for the muscle. That's our our water quality indicate. So for example, if there's something happening. And the first thing you see is the, something come up, the dead muscle, because they cannot move. Mm -hmm. But the fish, they maybe move a little bit. So that's what we also call them the um, you know, aquatic indicate for the water quality right. as yeah. well. So, yep. Yeah, yeah it's, it's neat to see uh, in those images how it cleared up in, in a short amount of time, really. Yeah, yeah. very quick. Yeah, yeah, very quick. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned they don't move much. Could you say a muscle, or you could say it, it didn't move a muscle? No, they can move. <laughs> Muscle has the foot. <laughs> they have a foot, yeah. They only have one, so they run in circles a lot. <laughs> oh, it's That's what you do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> turned into comedy hour now. Oh, man. Oh, so I had on here the life cycle of freshwater mussels. So let's just touch on that a little bit, what the cycle is and, and how that works. All right. So that's what actually this is also related to what we basically doing here. So the life cycle is we start from the um, parents. We call a male and a female adults. Once they get the female get gravid, that means they already have the uh, babies inside in the uh, female. We call that la vie, most other, you know, animals. But for the muscle, we have a specific name for them. It's called locadia. Okay. So when they get to the spawning season, the uh, female muscle mostly will release their locadia, their baby, to the water. Then 
when those lochilia meet right hosts, which is fish, then the fish will take those babies on their body or on their gear most of the time and then provide nutrients for the lochilia for them to be able to metamorphosize to the juvenile stage. Then once they get to the juvenile stage, then they drop off from the fish, then start to their life cycle and become a sub-adults and then become adults. That's the life cycle for the fresh mussels. Wow. So it's very complicated compared to the fish because they need fish as a host for their you know, parasite period. If they do not meet right host, they just die. So that's, that's how this fauna become most endangered compared to the other faunas of freshwater mussels. Naturally, the chance for them to meet the right fish host is really rare, maybe one million, one per million wow. kind of chance. But for us, because there are so many endangered species of the freshwater mussels and we need to work with, so if we get, get the like opportunity for them to be able to manually make this production, then we can increase their, uh, you know, the numbers of the right. mussels be able to restore back to the river. So that's what uh, many we do. We collect the blue stock and then collect the fish host and for the mussel to be able to get the baby onto the, uh, the located onto the fish and then keep those infested fish in the aquarium and uh, then until they drop off, they will collect the juvenile mussels, put them into the cultural system until they get the size. That's what happened. That's in what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In here. Yeah. So, so the, does that fish matter in the wild? Does it matter what type of fish? Does. Okay. Yeah, the, for the mussels, that's a host specific. And um, they only work with certain species, or maybe just one species of the uh, host. And um, that's why we have to keep different species of the fish in here for, for the different species of the mussels. Wow. Yeah. There are a couple of species they can work with multiple species of, of the freshwater mussels, but mostly they are host-specific. Okay. That's pretty cool. That's neat. So, how, I, 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 I think and one other thing that I've, I've always been intrigued with is how the muscles can display, I don't know if I'm using the right word or not, but right word. To, to invite that host fish to come up and... Meet. Yeah, yeah. meet. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll put it that way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so the, the fish is kind of unsuspecting, really. Yeah. You know, they're not... That yeah. nature is amazing. That's how they happen in nature, you know. Uh, some uh, mussels, they during the you know spawning season, they will have kind of display. They can mimic like uh, crayfish, right? Or they mimic like a minnow mm. on their mantle, and when they have the baby inside, so they attract. We call lure. They uh -huh. attract the fish to get close to approach. You know, the either the minnow or the, you know, or the womb. Yeah. That time they would just release their uh, locadia 
then get onto the fish. That's kind of naturally happened. You know, that made me think. I wonder if these mussels are buying their fishing licenses. <laughs> <laughs> May have to talk to marketing about that. <laughs> See if they're, uh, if they're buying those licenses. Yeah, I think it's neat uh, how that all happens. Uh, yes. You were talking about the, uh, the oyster yeah, oyster mussel. Yeah, it's a yeah. real. It opens up and it's a real white display. Right. And that attracts that fish to come by, but it closes up on it. Yep. And releases it. So talk. Tell us how that works. Okay. Yeah, that is kind of cool thing, and because you know the mussel, they cannot move that much. So this is one type of thing when they uh, use the color to attract the fish, mm -hmm. mostly for the dollars. So the oyster mussel, when they get, uh, you know, during the spawning season. They will have their two valves or two shells wide open. Then their mantle become like really bright white or, or blue. So when the daughter kind of uh, trying to get to inside, see what, what kind of, you know, new environment or yeah. new house. So they try to find <laughs> house. When they get, get into that two valves, they will just close the, you know, two shells and start to release their baby. Then get on the fish. Then after like, a minute and then they let it go yeah. so that's completed their infestation time you know this is just a very cool and some fish they will can uh, release the congruence we call it's like a pack of the you know locadia inside okay and then those will look like a kind of warm that's how fish like to right eat. right okay so by the time Going they after the worm i'll go after the worm then they got infested so that's how they got the babies on the fish cool. yeah, so. well and the particular that one we were talking about the oyster yeah um that's a small it's, it's small. on a darter or something yeah. like that a smaller yeah. fish right yeah. but then there there are some that the fish host could be a bass a fairly good sized bass or or Correct. catfish or something like that maybe yes okay of course yeah, yeah. you was you already probably see we have a uh, large size of the your fish in here they are large mass bass small mass bass and uh even uh we have some uh saga here okay or i they are all the hosts for different species of freshwater mussels wow that's neat so so those fish are probably depending on the type of lure depends yeah. on which fish and which mussel meat right yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's cool all right. I had on my list here to talk about the diversity. And Jason, you mentioned that kind of early on when you, when you were uh, introducing yourself. But uh, talk about some of the diversity. Uh, and, and I think Alabama may have the most diverse population of mussels. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, we're challenging that. We're, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a Tennessee drainage. Uh, <laughs> well, there, there's some interesting things. You've got to watch how you want to break stuff up like that. But, uh, you know, I always say is uh, geopolitical boundaries don't matter much when it comes to wildlife. That's, That's right. Yeah. Uh, but just to give you an idea, I think, I think we can say that the world matters. And uh, in the world, there's about 840 freshwater mussel species. Uh, so that's across the entire globe. Uh, the vast majority of them are in the New World. So that'd be North America and South America. And uh, particularly in North America, uh, there's about 360 of those 840 worldwide species here in Mexico, the U.S. and Canada. Wow. Uh, and then when you break it down just to uh, the United States, we have about 300 species. Mm. So that's a substantial portion of the global biodiversity. Mm. And uh, really within the United States, most of them are centered in the, uh, the southeastern U.S., particularly Alabama, which has about 100 and 185 species uh, in Tennessee. I think we're up to right around 141, 
and then Georgia's at about 125 species roughly. And then once wow. you get out of those three states, uh, Kentucky's the next closest with only 100 species. Hmm. So, uh, uh, you know, of course, I mentioned about the, the geopolitical boundaries. You know, when it comes to, to uh, uh, aquatic species, we deal with watersheds. That's the important part. So uh, the one interesting part is, so the Cumberlandian uh fauna we'll call it or cumberlandian region which consists of the cumberland river and the tennessee river uh everything that that uh drains into those two systems into the ohio that's uh pretty much the most biologically diverse watershed in mm. in the united states for sure if not yeah. the world yeah. uh and uh we have about 110 species in those two river systems uh the interesting part is about 31 of those species occur nowhere else but those river systems wow uh and then there's this forgotten river system of tennessee that nobody really talks about a whole lot because we just have a a slight little sliver it's the conasauga okay and, uh, yeah it's actually the only drainage we have in tennessee that drains to the the gulf coast uh or at least the uh i guess the eastern gulf coast we'll say uh, and we have, we have 128 square miles of the Conasauga River in Tennessee. Uh, and that's of our 43,000 square miles, I think, of area. But uh, that little uh, 0.3% uh, of Tennessee's land area had 36 species in it at wow. one time. Wow. Uh, so that's about 25% of our biodiversity or mussel biodiversity in Tennessee came from that 128 square miles so that's pretty impressive but yeah because awesome. we have the tennessee system the cumberland system and just that little sliver of of the conasauga we really get a uh, uh a wide diversity of freshwater mussels now with that wide diversity and uh uh you know just large number of species comes imperilment and uh you know right around 60 to 70 percent of our mussels in tennessee are at risk of extinction mm -hmm. uh Currently, we have, I think, 48 species that are on the federal list uh, for endangered species, endangered or threatened species under the U.S. Endangered Species Act. And uh, we have two more that have been proposed. I think they're awaiting final listing here any time now. I thought it would have been done in the last year, but but uh, you know how processes like that work with, yeah. with, uh, with uh, all the different strings you have to go through and, and processes, but... Uh, uh, so that'll get us up to 50, and then there are several more that are actually uh, in the works to be evaluated to see if they need to be listed. And then that ends up being uh, one of the focuses of this operation, isn't it? I mean, the, the endangered... That's, yeah, that's what we're all focused, just uh, propagate and restore all those um, endangered species. Yeah. And uh, trying to do our best, see if we can get a couple of them down list or delist. I always say that's my uh, retirement goal. Yeah. Maybe I won't be able to finish, but our young generation, they can do continue work on that. Yeah, you're training them up. They're yep. Training them up. Well, this ran by, this flew by. I know. Uh, we had more on our list. I had fun names. What's some real quick fun names of these diverse species of mussels? They have funny names. Sometimes. Oh, you got the Duck River Darter Snapper uh, is one of rabbit's our endemic, the rabbit's foot. A lot of pig toes, deer toes, fawn's foot. Uh, you know, yeah. about, I'm trying to think. The salamander mussels are a really cool one because it uses a salamander as a host. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, cool. So uh, there's all sorts of, of interesting names, and it's really neat to look back and see what some of the old names were in the old fisheries reports. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> come up, it, come yeah. up with their own names and create new ones when they find 
you know, these new species. Occasionally that happens. Yeah. We, we do discover some new species every once in a while. Yeah. Well, this has been a fun show. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Jason. Uh, we'll have you back. We got more to discuss. We want to jump into the production of mussels and what happens behind us. We haven't touched on that yet. So that's going to be the next show. Uh, but we'll keep you around for another one. How's that sound? Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, y'all. This is Tennessee Wildcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for watching, for listening. Remember tnwildlife.org for all things wildlife in Tennessee, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.